What's up, everybody? Sathya Sam here, and welcome to the New Man Podcast. Today, we are interviewing Dean Brenton of Impactus Promise Keepers. Now, you might be thinking, wait, didn't we just interview somebody from there? Kind of. We interviewed Kirk Giles a few weeks back. Kirk Giles is the former president of Promise Keepers Canada, and he has kind of moved on to uh, some other endeavors. So in that interview, uh, he did a great job explaining sort of the history of Promise Keepers, both in the U.S. and in Canada, and then specifically how the Canadian branch has evolved and developed and kind of how it's become what it is today. But with Dean, we talked about a whole different set of things. We talked a little bit about, you know, where Promise Keepers is going, but then we talked about handling life during the pandemic. Um, You know, he took on this new role and he moved all around the time of the pandemic. I think some of that happened a little bit before, Um, but we talked about just how to handle life transitions. He's a daughter of, pardon me, he is the, the father of four daughters, and, um, and so we talked a little bit about just managing family and ministry and all that. We talked about servant leadership, and that was a huge uh, theme in the, the conversation as well, just because he and I both believe that every man is called to lead. And so um, just talking about, you know, what it looks like to really be a leader and um, how sometimes it's not always the obvious things. In fact, it's the subtle things that often separate us and allow us to walk into our God-given leadership calling. And then lastly, we talked a little bit about just how to get help, you know, how to get help and get resources that, that you need so that you can um, become, you know, everything God made you to be. So it was, it was a really good interview. And um, oh, I just, I'm, I'm really grateful for Dean. So, uh, so it's fun connecting and I know you're going to really enjoy it. Uh, my last encouragement, just before we jump in, is uh, is to really go check these guys out. I mean, I don't, I don't know about you, but if I if I really hear an interview that that compels me, or uh, there's a guest and I really connect with him, I go and like do recon. You know, I'll look up their LinkedIn and I check out their websites, and I just I like getting to know people, and I find it it's not just like a fun thing to like kind of get to know them or build a connection, but it's just it's amazing to see what people are up to to understand their messages. And I, I just feel like it inspires me to, to become better and to become more like the person God made me to be. So um, I encourage you to check out the resources. We put all the links in the show notes and, um, and go check out what these guys are up to. I think you'll be tremendously blessed by it. Without further ado, here's my interview with Dean Brenton of Impactus Promise Keepers Canada. Welcome to the New Man Podcast, a show for brave men to experience freedom in their faith, sexuality, and relationships. The goal? To provide practical tools and timeless principles that help you become the man you were made to be. And now, your host, Sathya Sam. All right. Well, I'm here with Dean of Impactus Promise Keepers Canada. Dean, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. Great to be with you today. Yeah. So this is fun. We interviewed Kirk Giles not too long ago, the former president of Impactus Promise Keepers, and uh, and that was that was great. You know, and he gave us a good overview of the organization, kind of how it got started, and how it took root here specifically in Canada. And we did talk a little bit about, you know, where things had changed for him and kind of where he left off. And this is cool. This is kind of like the next leg of the journey uh, with you at the helm. So I'm excited to just dive into everything. I'd love for you to just maybe start by telling us how did you get into this role with Promise Keepers? Yeah, thanks uh, for the question. Kirk uh, is my predecessor, the previous president. We finally got rid of that guy. And, uh, <laughs> 
Kirk has uh, provided such incredible leadership over the past number of years, and uh, I step into big shoes to fill in in this role. So, I um, I have 15 years in pastoral ministry and served in all kinds of church ministry, different roles, and then 15 years in denominational leadership. And that's where I first got connected to Promise Keepers Canada. We were bringing some events to the eastern part of Canada. And uh, I had partnered with the the, the team uh, at Promise Keepers. And uh, that's where I initially got connected and eventually got invited to serve on the advisory board and served there for a couple of years and got to know the ministry, the insides, the nuts and bolts, and then eventually uh, to the board of directors. And then most recently as the chair of the board of directors. And so it was a growing relationship. Um, and the more I got to know the team and know the ministry, the more uh, God you know, warm my heart toward the ministry and uh, open these amazing doors. I had no idea I would ever step into this role. I had no real thought that this would ever happen. But Hmm. Kirk was a big encourager in that, Hmm. really challenged me to consider that. So I resigned from the board, stepped into the process, got open the door and the rest is history. That's amazing, amazing. And I mean, you didn't pick any ordinary time to make that transition. It happened smack in the <laughs> middle of the pandemic here. And uh, you were just telling me before we hit record that you finally got to go to the headquarters, I think for the first time in the since what, since I guess the seven months ago that you started, but just because of COVID and all that, it's taken a while to, to be on the ground. So what, what a wild time to start a position like this. Yeah, I don't know what we were thinking, but uh, (laughs) the Lord must have had a plan. And uh, yeah, we started uh, in the middle of the pandemic and Kirk's transition actually began in the middle of uh, during the pandemic. And so on January 1, I began in this role. Mm -hmm. And because of travel restrictions and quarantine restrictions, I uh, have been unable to travel. So it's been uh, pretty much a daily Zoom call with various members of our team and lots of meetings. And we even did a staff retreat for three days over Zoom. Wow. Uh, But I was so thankful uh, last week to be able to fly to Burlington and spend some quality time with the team there and that that'll become a regular occurrence now. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's double down on this a little bit because I think a lot of uh, the listeners, at least statistically speaking, a lot of them are going through major life changes because of the pandemic, whether it's uh, vocationally, whether it has to do with their location, uh, maybe a mixture of both. Um, I read a study, I, I have to dig into it more, but I read one recently that said there were 5 million breakups last year in Canada. Um, and uh, of course, those are mostly relationships, but obviously divorce is lumped in there as well. So maybe some relational transition. Um, what what did you find were was challenging or, or particularly unusual about just undergoing some major life changes during this pandemic? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. Our our family went through a major transition. Uh, my wife and we have four daughters and uh, three wow. of them are living in Newfoundland. One is here with us in Nova Scotia. And my wife is a uh, professor at Acadia University. And so about two years ago, she began a process of uh, uh, beginning a new role at Acadia, which began the process pre-pandemic for us to transition uh, to a new Atlantic province. And uh, so we we had started the transition before pandemic hit, but the pandemic, um, and I should backtrack, I was also in the midst of, I had finished in my role at the denominational office and was just um, in the season of waiting, asking the Lord, you know, for the next thing. 
and then the pandemic hit and everything went completely on pause. Nobody, you know, all ministries, pretty much churches and parachurch ministries, pretty much on a, at a standstill. And so it, uh, we found ourselves already in transition, but now in the pause of the transition, wondering what we were going to do next and uh, having to learn to be okay with that and trust the Lord yeah. and wait for the right timing during that. And so it was, it was a, a great time and a hard time all at the same time. Uh, but I, looking back on it, I don't regret it for a moment. Yeah, yeah. What were some of the challenges on, on the other side? Like you had mentioned doing uh, the Zoom calls, obviously even just not getting a chance to meet the very people you're leading in person for a while. Um, I'm curious on the, the professional front. I think we've, we're all probably a little bit Zoomed out at this point. Um, <laughs> but then also the personal side of things. Those are some major changes for, uh, for your wife and, um, and for your kids and, and all of that as well. How, how did you navigate those, those changes on the other side once you had made the transition? Yeah, it's uh, we we did a lot of uh, intentional um, meetings on the professional side with my role here. So as soon as I began, we really doubled down our efforts to get to know the staff. So um, I had met them all. Uh, the, the great thing was for me, I, I had known them on some capacity pre taking this role. Right. But when I uh, stepped into the role. I decided to really uh, spend some time on Zoom and on phone calls just to spend time with them, get to know them. And that turned into meetings and collaboration. And And before we knew it, we were, um, it, it was the new normal. And so we just adapted to that, realizing for the foreseeable future, we're going to be doing it this way. And, uh, and the team adjusted well. So I think both with um, a very gracious team who accepted me with open arms during that period and also just a lot of intentionality to, to maximize our time together yeah. and uh, and together uh, just to navigate the uh, zoomed out fatigue. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, we did. I think we did well. And so but we've been looking forward for months now to these in-person opportunities. So now it will hopefully become a regular occurrence. Yeah, yeah, that's that's really nice. And I, I know it's things are finally opening up and it, it really does feel good to get back to some of these normal things. Mm-hmm. Um, tell, tell me a little bit just about where you envision Promise Keepers impact is kind of going in the future here. I think in, in Canada, and I, at least I'll just speak for myself, I, I know the organization is sort of an event hub, an event center. I've been good friends with Andrew Thompson, who's been the national worship leader there for many years now. So I always see him traveling around the different locations. But I also know that there's so much more to to what you guys do beyond just those one-time events. You have tons of resources, tons of groups and communities and all kinds of stuff forming. So I'd love for you to talk about just, I guess, how how does all this tie together for the future vision of uh, Promise Keepers in practice? Yeah, thanks for that question. We have been an events hub ministry, really. We've been um, known as an events ministry, um, and Kirk probably has shared some of that around uh, the development. And two to three years ago, we really, uh, under Kirk's leadership, started a a very intentional conversation of what it could look like if we weren't um, hub, the hub being the uh, uh, events, and and, uh, we felt God stirring us to not not stop events completely, but change what we were centered around, which was going to be more around discipleship and equipping and leadership development. 
And, uh, and so that's moved toward a complete rebrand and refocusing of the ministry. Mm-hmm. And so we're, we're still currently in the middle of that, but we are changing from an event-centered ministry to an online-centered ministry uh, that still does in-person events and gatherings. Uh, at least we plan to do them <laughs> at some point. But um, And so we, we really put a, a huge focus on our online ministry, our online content, resourcing, leadership development. And so the, the past months have been really focusing on those aspects. Uh, and the way I've described it uh, over the past few months, it's um, in the past, Promise Keepers would come to a local church and ask the church to gather men from that area, that city, that region, and we would come and do an event and then we would leave and we might come back next year and do it all over again. We have, because we're now online, we have such a direct to men uh, connection now because mm-hmm. every day, 24 seven, we're literally connecting with guys all around the world, not just inside of Canada. And we also have a direct to church component. So it's a huge shift for us and we're, we're direct to church and uh, what we believe that we're able to do, especially in this pandemic season and uh, the long-term effects of that, where in the past we would come to the church and ask the church to bring to us the men, we really believe that we're connecting with men that we can bring back to the local church. Uh-huh. And we believe God has shifted us in a really profound way at a really strategic time to not just ask churches to do things for us, but for us to serve local churches and serve guys directly with the needs they have. And I just think it's a it's an amazing opportunity we have in, in the years ahead. Uh, and that's really the heartbeat behind the shift toward Impactus. Mm-hmm. And so we're really excited. And that's really been the energy um, and the effort around new tools and new leadership training, small group components and things like that. So yeah, it's a massive shift but I think a very timely one. And this all happened, this shift began pre-pandemic. And so when uh, we've said this many times, but it felt like in the middle of the pandemic that God had set us up for this moment, yeah. that he had actually like ha- had kind of teed up the the, the uh, situation for us just to step into this moment and go online and put the e- emphasis there. So when the pandemic hit, we just leaned in and and it's been full steam ahead ever since. That's so amazing. I've heard several stories like that, you know, where God was kind of giving these nudges and these prompts and we just think it's business as usual. And little do we know he's safeguarding us or like you said, kind of setting us up for something great during a a pretty challenging and unusual time. You'd mentioned having a a lot of resources and I, I love the emphasis on kind of the local church as well. It feels as though the pandemic is kind of redefining what local church looks like as well. Like I know even my wife and I, we we love our church the same as we did before, but it feels like the way we engage with it is quite different now. Um, it's it's become a lot more digital and, and that sort of thing. Um, what resources specifically are you guys really focusing on in times like this, given the change in kind of the landscape for how people are getting discipled? Yeah, that's such a, a good question, important question. Our focus uh, over the past few months, three big areas. One is our workshops that we typically would do, smaller gatherings, but they're really focused teachings around different topics, uh, men's issues and and discipleship. So we uh, have doubled down to revisit all the content and see how relevant it is in a pandemic, post-pandemic world. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, we're also um, retooling our leadership training. So we do a lot of work with, uh, we have network leaders across Canada, network churches that partner with us to do ministry. And so we're really uh, working and uh, this fall will be a huge push toward a new online leadership platform for training men's leaders or men who want to lead other men and how to do that effectively. Uh, And the third one is around small groups. And it kind of relates to that direct the church piece again, that we really believe there's a lot of guys out there who uh, have no doubt got a little bit more disconnected from local churches or just it's the new habit now. It's just uh, we don't go like we used to. And we believe um, we can have a role to play in that, to connect guys back to the life of the local church. And so we're developing a small group strategy to help in local areas to train up leaders who can lead small groups in churches or regions to, again, get guys in a, in a safe community mm. where they can uh, do life together, talk about the things of God, and, uh, and hopefully find uh, that expression inside the local church where they can grow and thrive as, uh, you know, as men. That's amazing and and so needed. You know, I think as men we can take or we'll take all the resources we can get. Right? Um, there's there's certainly no no shortage of that. Um, one of the things you mentioned earlier, which I'm quite intrigued by, is this uh, this platform for leaders for men to become leaders and to kind of get trained and equipped to disciple. And I guess what in, intrigues me about that is a lot of the guys who come to me who are looking for help with their porn addiction. Um, when we got, start talking about you know what are some of the dreams in life and what what does your porn free life really look like. It almost always involves more leadership, and I think um, porn addiction, or or you know, th- there's lots of other things as well that will hold a guy back from maybe not feeling good enough to to become a leader, uh, not good enough to really step out and and fall and uh, and follow that calling. Uh, what what would you say to people who are maybe in that place, Dean, who are who are saying, oh, that sounds like a, a great opportunity, but I could never be a leader. I still have X Y Z. I need to get taken care of. Are there criteria for guys to be part of uh, your leadership platform or, you know, what, what's your kind of philosophy around all that? Yeah, well, I'm the uh, I'm a living example of a guy that God can use with all kinds of, you know, limitations. And I'm the classic introvert. So to be in this role is just wow. bizarre. Yeah, no and uh, <laughs> and so for me, if God can use me in a role like this, he can use anybody anywhere, anytime who's, you know, if you surrender your heart to him, if you, uh, you pursue him and grow in your faith walk, I do believe there's a role for you to play. And, uh, I believe, uh, you know, leadership has all kinds of different aspects. Some guys are called to, you know, lead at a pastoral level. Others will lead inside of a ministry. Other guys are just going to be more relationally leaders and, and just be influencers with their friend groups. And that's, that's where we really want to lead lean with our um, our training just to capture guys' hearts around uh, what the need is and encourage them that uh, if they feel that they would like to, then we want to walk with them and encourage them and support them knowing that, you know, it's not for some elite group or some special skill set. It's for, uh, as someone said to me recently, it's, it's not for the ability, it's for the availability. Uh, mm. And uh, I really believe God's just looking for guys who are available. And if you're available and surrender to him, uh, he'll use you no matter what your past is, what your present is, or even what your future is. It's uh, he can use you. And I, I am that living testament to that. Yeah, that's very well said. You had mentioned doing kind of a, a, an analysis of, you know, the content that you guys have done over the years 
figuring out what's hitting home and maybe what isn't. I'm just curious, what, what kind of topics started to emerge when you guys were doing that? Um, what, which areas are you guys focusing on or finding to have a, a particular impact among your men? One of the things that we realized is that even our, our training was geared as our ministry was geared in the, the sense that we were driving people toward events, um, just as we would invite people to come to a Promise Keepers Canada event in Edmonton or Calgary or Ottawa. We were, our model was really centered around local church, um, creating events for guys, which is still good and still needs to happen and can be very effective. I'm an events guy. That was a lot of my background. So I believe in events and the power of events. But we realized pandemic changed the game on events. And so events now can be very different. They can be online. And sometimes when you rely on events, uh, as churches have done for so many years, and again, my, my background is heavily pastoral, but we rely on that Sunday you know, morning expression or that youth gathering. And sometimes we put so much emphasis into that, we miss some of the, the day-to-day uh, tools and, and discipleship that needs to happen. So mm-hmm. that was the real game changer. What can we do, you know, every day of the week uh, to encourage guys in their faith walk in equipping them, you know, to be leaders and servants and how can we come alongside that instead of just inviting them to another gathering. Yeah. And that's, that's really been our heart, uh, the heartbeat of what we have been doing and focusing on. So I think we're still learning that. I think we're still, uh, you know, seeing some of that emerge. We did a massive study, um, Early this year, the Spiritual Health of Men survey, we call it, and surveyed several thousand guys. And uh, we saw some encouraging signs um, in terms of uh, guys that were doubling down, it seemed, during this time on their uh, their spiritual devotional life, hmm. but also some signs that were troubling in terms of guys connecting with other guys and, and sharing their faith and things like that. So those are the kinds of things that we really want to speak to that... Uh, we don't have to limit what God wants to do to a gathering or a function. It can actually happen over a Zoom call, or it actually can happen uh, hanging out at a hockey game, or you know, just calling my friend and just just checking in, you know, and those kinds of things, real life on life uh, opportunities. And and we're still learning, uh, and I'm I'm sure God will shape our thoughts around that. But that's some of the early things that uh, we are leaning into at this point. Yeah, that's amazing. Very, very insightful. Uh, I, I know you don't have the survey on you, but I'm, I'm wondering if I can just ask, like, was there anything else that came up um, beyond those kinds of uh, those top answers in both categories as to what they're doing well? You know, guys seem to be taking the opportunity to invest more in their spiritual life. And then as well, feeling the loneliness, you know, the isolation. What, what other factors surfaced when you guys started to survey these guys? Was there anything else that stood out? Yeah, I, the the daily prayer Bible reading was actually up, which surprised us. We thought during this pandemic time, we thought, you know, we may see an erosion in some of the daily practices that are so formational to the Mm -hmm. Christian character and life. And we actually saw an increase in that, which was really encouraging, but we did see some of that isolation creep in where uh, the numbers around sharing faith and participating in the local church and life of the local church, course had dropped off and which makes sense because people were much more disconnected so we need to find ways to re um, recapture uh, guys hearts to how to do that again 
and not just wait for a moment where we can get inside the four walls of a building again. How can we do that now? How can we yeah. uh, lean into evangelism and how can we uh, just be relational and challenge each other? So those were some of the things that were really um, a little bit surprising and encouraging and also things that really um, spoke to us in, in areas that we need to focus on as a ministry. Yeah, yeah, that makes makes a lot of sense. And I, I know personally I can resonate with some of those things as well. Um, okay, I want to switch gears a little bit. So you're married. You mentioned having four girls. So that's a lot of estrogen in a house. Um, give us give us some of your best advice about uh, managing. You've been, I mean, you've been in also like I would say more ministry roles. Maybe you're not necessarily uh, the lead pastor of a church, although it sounds like you've done some of that also. But um but always with a kind of a ministry flair to what you're doing. How have you managed marriage, ministry, uh, raising girls? Um, you know, just how do you how do you manage all of that? Any any tips on on kind of balancing those things in life? Wow, that's a that's a great question. Um, I have not done it perfectly. I can assure you, but uh, <laughs> we have done it intentionally as a family. Um, we have, as I said, four girls. They're all in post-secondary education currently. My wife is a post-secondary uh, uh, educator as well. Uh, our dog is female as well. So I, I'm, <laughs> I am completely outnumbered in this house. So please pray for me. Um, but it's been wonderful. You know, uh, one of the things I learned during the pandemic and, our, and the transition in our family um, and it's it, it's been hard being separated. Uh, three of them are in another province and, and just travel has been difficult and things. But I, I did learn over 30 years of ministry. Um, my wife put much of her career on hold because we were, move, you know, we would be at a church and then we'd move somewhere else or God, you know, called us into different roles. And much of her career was on hold. And, and during the season of the pandemic, when I was in transition, and she had already pursued and stepped into this role. It gave me a really wonderful opportunity to serve her and mm-hmm. uh, and be there for her as she transitioned ahead of me into a new role. And uh, it gave me a real good appreciation for all the sacrifice she had made for me in so many years. Yeah. And I thought many times, you know, that's the least that I can do in this season to be there and be a support. Um, having four girls as well, has, it's been wonderful. Um, the uh, they're also unique. Uh, they're also um, uh, gifted, and uh, they teach me so much. And so I, I don't come at it with I know I have all the answers. Uh, but we try as a family to uh, take intentional time and stay connected. And uh, looking forward, and actually in a couple of weeks they're all going to be here with us. So that's going to be a lot of fun, and the first time in months that we've been all together. But yeah, it's been a, a, a lot of. Um, a lot of conversations, a, a, a lot of intentional time, and just serving one another um, and uh, being there for one another uh, whenever that is needed. And uh, felt I found that that has really served us well as a family. And um, and our girls have have grown, and it's amazing the people they're becoming and the leaders they're becoming in their own right. So uh, again, I haven't done it perfectly, um, but God's been gracious and. Um, where we're weak, he's strong, and um, and um, ministry has actually not been a detriment to them. It actually uh, we involved them in a, them in a lot of the ministries we were uh, participating in and uh, helped shape who they become. I think so. Yeah, I'm not sure. If that's the uh, 
that's a great answer, but that's how we've really done it. And uh, I, I just really believe in um, uh, when I graduated college, um, our class name was uh, a Greek name, Diakonoi. We had these Greek names and, and it just meant servant leader. And I've, hmm. I've, I've taken that and I carried that banner with me in any role that I've been in, whether I've been uh, a musician at a church, whether I've been uh, a leader in a youth group or as a pastor or as a dad, just I'm a servant and a leader. And if uh, if you get them out of balance, uh, you could be in trouble. But if you, there's a really beautiful balance that I think Jesus models for us of servant leadership that um, if we can find that sweet spot, God can use us and really, uh, yeah, and, and it applies to our family as well. Yeah, that's very well said. And I, I think it ties into what we were talking about earlier. You know, every, I think every guy is born to lead, whether he just leads himself his entire life or he leads a family or a community or an organization or a church or whatever. Every guy's called to lead. And I think there's different things that sometimes come along the way that stop us from, you know, walking fully into our leadership calling. Um, and I think one of them is that we feel like we have to have it all figured out. We have to have eloquent speech and we have to be able to kind of prevent, uh, pardon me, present ourselves formidably. And what you're talking about servant leadership is obviously something very different. Could you maybe go into it a bit more? Because you talked about uh, serving your wife. You talked about serving your kids. Um, these are kind of maybe upside down concepts a little bit. What does it look like to just have that, that servant leader heart? And um, I don't know if there's anything practical you do in particular or if it's kind of a mindset, but I'd love to just hear a little bit more about that one, Dean. I'm a firm believer in the scriptural principle when Jesus said uh, and calls us to faithfulness in the little things. And I, I really believe as we're faithful in the little things, God opens doors for us in larger opportunities. And that's not always a big platform or a big uh, moment that I'm celebrated. It's just he finds us trustworthy and he will will so many times just give us more opportunities to do what we uh, we're called to do. I, I remember as a youth pastor in the early days of, of uh, youth pastoring, and uh, we attended a youth conference, uh, was in Atlantic Canada, actually. And I remember one of the speakers had become a, a great friend of mine. Uh, and he said in that conference, he said, uh, the most, um, the greatest people or the, the greatest leaders in your youth ministry are those who will uh, stay around at the end of the youth night and clean up the styrofoam cups he would use. Now, styrofoam cups aren't environmentally friendly anymore, but <laughs> but the point stuck with me that there's nothing beneath us as servants. And I think sometimes when we're looking at leadership and serving, sometimes it's, oh, well, I'd like to serve in that role or that opportunity. When sometimes the things are right in front of us, like mm -hmm. serving at your local church or being an usher or an elder or or just serving your neighbor, or just, uh, you know, serving in your community. And it's those opportunities that when God finds us trustworthy, and he knows he can trust us with those things, opportunities come for us to be servants in, in greater opportunities. Yeah. And, and I, I really think that becomes the game changer for guys, because I am that guy who says, um, I could never be that kind of a leader. I could never be that kind of pastor, that kind of communicator, that kind of, you know, CEO, whatever. I, I have all the reasons why I shouldn't be. And um, the more I read scripture, the more I realize that it's, it's not about all the things that I think I need to have. It's actually about just the heart of a servant 
Um, Philippians 2 describes it so perfectly that Jesus, though being you know, equal with God, very nature God, takes the very form of a servant and humbles himself even to the death of a cross. Mm-hmm. And if I want to um, be used by God, then I believe it starts there by humbling ourselves and looking at the opportunities around us, what's in our hands, what's in front of us, and where can we serve now? And I believe that's the beginning of beginnings of leadership. Yeah, yeah, very well said. And I, I couldn't agree more. Um, so I want to I want to just probe a little bit more from a different angle. But you had talked about you know marriage is not um, it's not all daisies and roses. Uh, marriage has its shares of ups and downs. I'm wondering what what has servant leadership looked like in a marriage context. Um, particularly when you're going through challenges, because I think, you know, when life is good, it's pretty easy to serve the people around you and, you know, have an open hand and an open heart and everything else. I think it's when things are difficult where it can become really hard to prioritize the other, sacrifice self and, you know, all the things that come with it. I don't, do you have any examples or uh, just any, any insight into that particular aspect of the conversation? Well, it's really easy when things are hard to focus on ourselves and our needs. And that's the temptation I think we all face, and it applies to so many areas of our life. When things get difficult, we uh, we get in our cocoon, and then we just focus on our needs, and then we get frustrated because our needs are not getting met. And the very thing that kicks us and kickstarts us out of that is actually serving the other. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's breaking that temptation to become self-centered and self-focused and looking at the needs around us and saying, Maybe if I helped or served or did, you know, and that can be practical things from cleaning up around the house and doing the dishes to uh, a really real life example right now. My wife's in the middle of her uh, PhD and she's uh, working to complete it by the end of this year. And so her schedule is really busy. And so as I look at that, I and I don't do this perfectly, but I'm looking at opportunities. How can I lighten her load at points so that she can be freed up to do those things. Now I could say, well, she doesn't have time to spend with me and we don't have time to do date nights like we normally would do. And and I could get frustrated, but that's about me. And so as we, I think, focus on the other, I think something beautiful happens because the needs that we feel we're we're being robbed of actually get met. Um, There's something about uh, loving someone else and pouring into them not expecting anything return that actually reciprocates in a way that's really profound. And we've found that time and time again and fighting that self-centered selfishness uh, where it's about me and my needs and just staying focused on how can I serve the needs of, of the others? And, and um, that's, that's been a life principle. We're still learning it. And, uh, but boy, does it work when, when you get it right, does it ever work? Yeah, very well said. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, okay, so this this podcast is about really helping guys live lives of integrity, uh, particularly in their sexuality. And I think that whole subject is, um, you know, it, it's a hot button topic. It probably will be for a pretty long time, I think, in our culture. But I know that Promise Keepers as well has done a pretty good job over the years of talking about sex, talking about porn, and, and offering resources to help guys I'm wondering what you guys are observing in your impactist community. Um, what what is what are guys looking for, and uh, are there any particular resources that have been very helpful for guys who are struggling in this area of their life? 
Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. We've uh, focused on and the name itself betrays a promise keepers, um, which speaks to the whole integrity uh, movement and the heart behind that. Uh, and and that heart won't change in the future. The name may change, but the heart behind that calling guys to live lives of character and integrity. And we we just know there's no uh, one stop solution to this whole issue of, um, of purity and pornography sexual addiction. We just know uh, God has uh, the ability to transform our lives. Um, I, I'm firmly uh, a believer in uh, discipleship being a key to that, that as we grow in our faith, that uh, those issues can be resolved, but also that there are some pointed resources and opportunities. Sometimes they're counseling services. Sometimes they are workshops. Sometimes they are accountability groups. Whatever it takes, we need to be willing to do that. And and so we're participating in, in all of those kinds of uh, opportunities. Sometimes we'll speak to it from a large stage. Sometimes it'll be in a, in a Facebook uh, live workshop. Other times it'll be in a small group. Uh, and then we're constantly producing content that speak to those issues uh, and, and will continue to do so in the future. We know uh, in the season of the pandemic, uh, pornography has not gone away. It's probably uh, been only amplified. And uh, that means we must amplify our efforts to speak to it and to challenge guys to live a life of integrity, but also uh, not just challenge, but walk with them. And um, and so nice. the direct to guys and direct to churches piece really plays into this. And we want to be there as a as a big brother, as it were, to say, hey, guys, we can do this. You can live a life of freedom and integrity and character. And uh, as we together walk as a community of faith, uh, God will, will transform us and he'll use us to transform other guys who are trapped in those same addictions. Yeah, yeah, beautifully said. And I, I couldn't agree more. I think it's very easy to challenge people, you know, and I think when you're just talking from a stage or putting on an event, you know, it's easy to challenge someone. But But like you said, when you really walk alongside someone, that's where I think true transformation takes place. And that, of course, is the essence of discipleship, which is what I know what you guys are all about. Dean, I know people are going to want to connect with you guys, find out more about what's going on with Promise Keepers Impactus. Um, where, where can people reach out? The simple answer is impactus.org. Uh, you can find us and everything there. We have daily devotionals that come out. You can subscribe to those. We have uh, content that comes out pretty much daily, podcasts, uh, we're planning a leadership event, actually, in the, the end of September, a live virtual conference in November. And then, Lord willing, we're doing a string of in-person conferences and events uh, in the new year. So uh, stay tuned and check it out. If you have any questions, just you can reach us at impactus.org. Fantastic. And one last question. What does impactus mean? Impactus means to press in. And uh, it was really the heartbeat behind the, the entire rebranding, but it means to press into our walk with Jesus, uh, into our relationship with others, not to take a passive approach, but literally move forward, step into it, yes. and uh, in a sense, step up our game. And so uh, it has a lot of significance for um, not just the name, but the heart behind where we're going as a ministry. So yeah, we're calling guys to press into Jesus press into their local church, press into their relationships with their families and their wives um, and uh, and their friends. And uh, we believe as we do, God's going to use us to uh, just be agents of transformation all around the world. 
Amen. Amen. Amazing. Dean, thank you so much for your time today. This has been fantastic. Thank you so much. It's been a great opportunity. Well, that was my interview with Dean of Impactus Promise Keepers Canada. And I just love the humility that Dean carries. I think it just um, emanates from him really in the way he conducts himself. And, you know, he said something really uh, profound to me, which was that God is not looking for the able He's looking for the available. And, you know, he was just talking about how he's an introverted guy and he's in this front-facing role. And it just reminded me that, you know, uh, no matter where you are in life, you might be just at your wits end. Uh, everything is crumbling and, and crashing down. Or maybe you're on a mountain high and, and life is all daisies and roses. Um, it's just a great reminder that God is ultimately looking for a yes in our hearts. And as long as we say yes, as long as we have servant mindsets and and we really just come in with a humble approach god will take us to all the places we need to go he will take us out of the dark places and and he will take us into uh the places he's destined us for so i just i want to encourage you with that um and and lastly i just encourage you to get your hands on some resources uh these guys are working really hard to resource people you know uh between uh, videos, audio content, written content. I mean, they're basically offering the whole gamut. So there's no excuse for why you couldn't get something from these guys. And they've been doing it a long time. So there, there's a real richness and a real depth to what they offer. They know how to speak and how to reach men. And so I just, I encourage you, uh, get out there, go check out the resources. And lastly, I encourage you to share this interview. Uh, share it with a guy who maybe uh, maybe is just struggling and needs a little bit of a pick-me-up uh, maybe with a guy who uh, who you know is just looking for some more resources or some more ways to get um, just connected with other ministries. Uh, this is a great interview for you to share with him as well. Uh, I was especially thinking if you know any ministry leaders, you know, your own uh, pastor or your own cell group leader. Uh, Dean talked about how they're they're servicing uh, or, or reaching. Um, I can't think of the right word. Serving. That's the word. How they're serving ministry leaders in the days ahead. And so I think there's just lots of potential there. Uh, but without further ado, guys, that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening to the New Man Podcast. I really hope this has helped you become a man of confidence and a man of integrity. And I look forward to speaking with you again very, very soon. Take care. We'll talk soon. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the New Man Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, you can share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest, please sign up for the weekly newsletter at www.sathiasam.com or follow on Instagram at SathiaMeSam. Thanks again and see you next time. Thanks for listening to The New Man Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, you can share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest, please sign up for the weekly newsletter at www.sathiasam.com or follow on Instagram at Sam. Thanks again and see you next time.